on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 21st, the uh, the second longest day of the year or the day after the longest day of the year. We're glad to have you. LA Galaxy lose 2-1 to one to the Seattle Sounders. We're going to tell you a whole bunch about that. Uh, tell you why there's probably some positives there, why there's some things you want to take from that, certainly. Um, and we're also going to get you ready for that game against Vancouver, which is in Salt Lake. We'll explain that as well and what the LA Galaxy are going to do in terms of travel, Revelation updates, injury updates, a whole bunch of other stuff that you're going to want to hear and want to be involved in. Glad you could join us to help us do all that is the man himself. He got locked in the uh, in the stadium, actually, on Saturday night. Uh, it's Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? You okay? Yeah, yeah, I finally got out. Um, I escaped, and now my screen is frozen, so we'll unfreeze that. Yeah, no. Happy, no. happy anniversary, by the way. Uh, happy, happy anniversary. What? For, uh, according to Galaxy History, which is never wrong on Twitter, uh, it is today. Today is the 14th anniversary of the day the Galaxy traded for Chris Klein. Oh wow, that is that is a, a pretty big. I mean, it, it's one of those things that you sit there and say that was a significant. I remember when that happened. I remember Chris Klein coming to the LA Galaxy, and that's a scary kind of crest on your shirt there i mean this kit, kit kit and bone this is we, we've gone over this before it says lost angeles you know i i figured i figured after a loss it would probably be the appropriate one to do it i would like to say uh let's see there's been eight games played kevin eight games um i have correctly predicted the score of three of them that's a very high percentage rate so far i mean usually i get two or three the entire season i'm at three right now i kind of feel like chicharito go out score a whole bunch of goals and then you know i'm gonna go quiet here for a little stretch well, uh, did you have a good Father's Day? I had a very traditional Father's Day. I did the Father's Day thing of, uh, well, the lovely and talented Mrs. Panda and I watched the first three episodes of season two of Ted Lasso, which is the don't, traditional Father's Day don't, celebration. Don't brag. <laughs> don't brag. I've ever since I heard that you had the first episodes, I've been upset about it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. And so I've been sitting there going, you know, I should probably figure out. We're we're trying to figure out whether or not Apple will track you if you if you give me the. I don't want them. I want to wait. It's on my birthday. I'm gonna wait. I'm just telling you. Well, Mrs. Pato was even uh, angrier than you were. Yes, she was. She was very excited about that. She went, she doesn't want to wait for my birthday. Big surprise. No, no surprises there. Uh, tell everybody how you got locked in the stadium, though. Seriously, because this is I always enjoy locked in the stadium um, uh, sort of situations. I, and I should tell people that you and I stay usually long enough that 
um, they close all the gates. Like we can't just walk out the gate. Yeah, yeah, everything's locked except I can go through what they call tower, which is the main uh, sort of uh, entrance to go down into the into the. It's stadium. by the gift shop. Yeah, by well, the gift shop. Yeah, by the gift shop in that area on the upper deck. Right, you walk in, you walk down the stairs, and you can walk right out the door. And usually there's somebody there, and usually there's a garden, so it's there's not a problem. But apparently you went through tower, and uh, and that wasn't happening, huh? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get done writing till after eleven o'clock, which it is late but it's only three hours after the game ended so it's not that late and um you know there were still some people cleaning up and stuff and i went to tower i went down uh where the guard normally is no guard everything locked up one door that says if you walk through this alarms will go off and you'll be like like nuked immediately yes so you know i know the stadium pretty well i spent a lot of time there so my first thought was well go to the i'll go to the loading dock um and so i went to the loading dock and the big uh, whatever that big door they have for the loading dock that was pulled down. That was completely locked. Um, I did find a security guard who pointed me to a small hidden door um, uh, that I was able to squeeze through what, and what, get back. Was it the one on the back side of the stadium? Like the ones yeah, that by, the players kind of used by the to loading, take? No, yeah, kind of by the loading oh, dock right. over by the track stadium. Yep. There was a little door. One yep. little door was very hidden. I was able to come out and uh, thought I knew where I was and apparently at, at at night things look different I got a little turned around and finally a guy with a golf cart came by and wanted to know who I was and what I was doing there and when I explained to him who I was and what I was doing he he gave me a golf cart ride to his car but that was like a little 35 minute yahoo thing roaming around the stadium I, it's not the only time I've been locked in a stadium I um when I covered the Marlins years ago at Pro Player Stadium in Miami um you would come down out of the press box and then when you went outside the building the door would lock behind you. Right. And there was a rotating sort of gate that, mm -hmm. that fans would come through. And there was no need to lock it because it only went one way. You couldn't get in. Um, that door was locked, too. <laughs> so now I'm uh, this door's locked and that door's locked. There's nowhere to go. Right. And I had to call the police and the police had to come and finally let me out. So the second time I've been locked in the stadium, um, I guess the guard just figured everyone was gone. So I, I, I know what done. I know what happened. That guard is actually there 24 hours. But they left. He went on a bathroom break. Yeah, they, I think whenever I went, um, she was there. But I'm sure she left, and like she needed to go check on something because they have to run a lot of that stadium and, and check on things. And so I've had that happen before, where I've gotten down to tower and I haven't been able to get out. And so I've had to find. It. It's always fun. I always tell people that one of the coolest things about doing what we do, Kevin, is the fact that we get to be in stadiums after everybody goes home or before everybody's there. It's a very cool place to sort. At least for me, it's a cool place to be in these stadiums when it's quiet when there's like you know 10 people in the whole stadium and i would say quiet except that usually there's leaf blowers going and there's carts going on i mean a lot of stuff happens right after the galaxy games a lot of stuff happens um behind the scenes but it's it's fun to sort of be there so uh it was good it, it is but you know when it's not quiet if you remember when the charges were there the transition from a soccer match to a nfl game was out of this world it was just all the stuff they had to do all the trucks they brought in and all the tv equipment and and it was wild and, they, and then a robot that did lines kevin like they, they would it would do the lines for the football and everything like that it would be a lot of fun i was yeah. I, I always thought it was cool to sort of see all that stuff mr provino says uh do, did you check uh for the key under the stone you should you should look for the key <laughs> yeah the hidden key and under the stone and then we would have been uh we would have been good on that. Well, let's get to um, to this LA Galaxy game. Uh, before we even do that, twenty three thousand plus in attendance for this LA Galaxy game. First, I almost I almost got that. I said what like in the last pot forty three five eighty four or, or something 20, like twenty twenty three five eighty four or something. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you, I was close. You, you were close. I think you were close. Um, and I did not go over. So by the rules of the uh, price is right. right i would have won you would have won the showcase um too i think you were within 200 dollars, or you have to be within 100 dollars in order to win both showcases i think you have to be within 100 
Yeah. Plinko. Uh, Plinko. That's why that you're just going to shout names of games now. Plinko. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fine. That works. Um, but it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I know people went to the tailgates beforehand. I know that they did a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's it's an amazing uh, sort of feeling to have everybody back there. I felt very comfortable, which was nice. Um, it was nice seeing people. I got to got to say hi to people. Got to got to take some pictures. Got to you know talk a little bit, and it was just fun to see everybody there. And I really enjoyed um, sort of everybody being back there. It was it it so makes a difference, Kevin. It it's such a huge difference. It's so much more fun to go watch games when there's fans in attendance. I know that sounds stupid, but having you and I having watched games for a year without fans. Yeah. It, it matters. It really matters. Well, I talked to a couple of players and I said, I get it. There's fans in the stands. You like that. It you know, it creates an atmosphere. But what exactly do the fans do? Because all players talk about that. We need the fans. It's great to have them back. And they said, when you get tired and you hear the fans cheering for you, it gives you a little extra boost of energy. And that that is the home field advantage. And players, when they're on the road, they try to use the fans cheering for the home team the away team tries to pretend like they're cheering for them, too. They try to build off that. But, you know, there's two things. They say when you hear the cheering and you know that people are behind you, it helps. Uh, and then the other thing, some players say, I, I like the extra pressure. You're playing in an empty stadium, you miss a shot, and there's no reaction. They like hearing that, the boos and the and the cheers, because they want to tune their boos into cheers. They like that pressure of having right. the fans on their back a little bit. So all good for the players. They love having the fans there for sure. Yeah, and and again, it makes for a really enjoyable uh, uh, experience. I'll say, but they did say it's very hard to communicate. I mean, they weren't used to that. A couple of players said we're just not quite. We didn't expect that. We forgot about that. Right. It, yeah. It's one of those things that you, you don't necessarily. I, I did find it funny. Uh, somebody on our Discord caught this uh, this video. Uh, they were doing the top ten because it's one of the first games on Spectrum. It is the first game, first regular season game on Spectrum this year that was there. Yay, Nikki. Yep. Uh, Nikki was there, and Joe and Kobe. Um, they had Pete Vianis, which I will refrain from commenting on because otherwise this will be a two hour show uh, in the studio talking about the LA Galaxy. Uh, probably didn't mention how he almost destroyed it, but hey, that's fine. Um, but somebody caught this. It was one of the top 10 things, and they got a, a much younger uh, Josh Gessman with a lot of hair um, on the top of his head uh, doing some of those top 10 lists. And so uh, if you're on the listening to the podcast, you might want to go on the on the YouTube just to see I that. I thought that was the Facebook guy. That's that is Mark Zuckerberg. I wish <laughs> I wish I had, you know, a tenth of, uh, of of what he has. But anyway, yeah, baby Josh was on there for a little bit. I think baby Kevin was on there. Baby Larry was on there as well. We have a, we're quite well represented on the top 10 list whenever it uh, whenever it comes to uh, all those. Um, and I think most people have heard the story, but um, I helped write a considerable amount of those lists. I think 10 or 12 lists. Uh, with the guys from at the time Time Warner Cable Deportes, it was the Deportes side um, that uh, that sort of spearheaded all the top ten lists. And the, so, so the, the only reason we have it in English is because they were like, well, I mean, if we're renting the studio, we might as well like you know do it for for top ten. Uh, we might as well do it in English as well. And so that's really the only reason that the English side of it even has the top ten list is because of that. Um, and I think it was in a little. Uh, it was like in, in a little upstairs studio. Did you go to the studio? Yeah, yeah where, it was on the west side off Pico somewhere. It wasn't like in Larchmont or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. It was it was on this street, and I'm like, there's no way there's a studio here. And you like walked up the back stairs, and that's where that's where we did it. Oh, and we had to redo a couple of them because a big truck would go by, and it would sound. You could hear the big truck on the on the recording. So I remember that. It was fun. That was back in the days when the Galaxy had a TV partner that actually did stuff. I was gonna say that is. I mean, you know, they still have a TV partner that pays them a lot of money, but they're trying to to run away from that as fast as they can. So um, this is, I think, two more this year and next year, right? Is the is the final years of yes, the time warning? Right. Yeah. So anyway, we still love Nick. We love Nikki though. 
Nikki, hey, Nikki's great. Joe's great. Kobe's great. We've always said that about. Uh, you know, Joe, I, I've said this on the show before, and I really believe it. I, I, I have Sirius XM as you do, and I've listened to other MLS announcers. You'd be surprised at how no one is even in the same area code as Joe. Yeah, just so much better. Yeah, it's I, it's, it's absolutely. We're really lucky to have him. Uh, I mean, you don't hear him because you're at the game, but right. if you weren't at the game, well, we're gonna um, we we will get to hear him on Wednesday because they're doing the away game, right? And so that's when we actually yeah. get to watch the broadcast. So I'm sure I'll have plenty of critiques uh, about um you know the camera angles and all that fun stuff that uh, that usually happens. Uh, let's get a little bit to this LA Galaxy game, though. I thought it was really interesting. Um, this lineup and um the the veteran laden midfield, uh, Kevin. That's really what I got from most of this, which was look at all the veterans that Greg Vanny is putting in this game because going against Seattle, you know you're going to go against a veteran team. You know they're smart, so you want to put your smartest players out there as much as you can. And yeah, there's some young guys out there. Efrain Alvarez is there. Um, but and, and you had Kevin Cabral, who's who's a younger guy as well. You know, Julian Araujo. I mean, as much as we say that Julian Araujo is one of the best players on the LA Galaxy, which he is, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, he's still a young player, right? And so you still want to see him developing and all those things. So with Kevin Cabral, Chicharito up top, uh, Victor Vasquez, Sasha Kleshton, Sebastian Legette, uh, Efrain Alvarez, uh, you had Viafania, Steres, Koulibaly, Araujo, and bond um so that was sort of the starting lineup there and it was really interesting kevin uh whenever i asked greg vanny about cabral playing up in sort of that forward position he he was like yeah he was playing a forward we were playing a four two 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 and i was like how many twos is that that's three twos they were playing and this is greg vanny's own description if you go to corner you can listen to you can see the media call um you can see what's going on it's four he he, he says it's a four two 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 and I don't ever remember a manager calling out a form formation with a four triple two. Um, so Greg Vanny wanted the four triple two. Well, I had, you know, I always have to do the math on those formations, and I generally wind up with thirteen and have to subtract. I had to take my shoes off and use my toes to get to to that formation. But a uh, couple of things about that form, you just blew right over Atari making his MLS debut. That was a big deal. But you also talked pregame. You said. With this midfield, there's going to be some substitutions. There's guys in here, you know, Vasquez coming back, question, guys that aren't going to go 90 minutes. And as soon as you said that, Steris goes down and yes. they had to blow one of their substitutions very early. Yeah, I mean, Dan Steris, I think in the sixth minute, seventh minute, fifth minute, somewhere in there, uh, goes up. It for, looked like a knee, but it was a hamstring, apparently. Yeah, well, he it was a it was weird because whenever you watch the replay, it looked like there was a collision. And you're like, oh, there's a collision, which is usually a better sign than there's no collision and somebody goes down. Um, but whenever you watch the replay, it wasn't a collision that was there. It was more how he planted whenever he landed and went up for a challenge. That was early, and apparently Greg Vanny says um, it's a hamstring in- uh, issue. Here's the here's the, we're not going to get an update on that. We're not going to know about that before the game coming up because the LA Galaxy don't have a media availability, and generally they don't give us uh, injury updates unless it comes from Greg um, himself. So g- that's generally the rule. We may be able to pry something away from him because there's no media availability coming up, uh, before the game on Wednesday night. Um, there is media availability on Friday, uh, Kevin, before the LA galaxy play. But San they Jose. fly tomorrow. They, I mean, they're flying tomorrow. They're flying tomorrow. Uh, and this was a, this was a note for a little later, but we'll, we'll say it now. They're flying tomorrow to, uh, to Utah. Uh, they'll spend the night there. They'll play the game on Wednesday. Um, and then whenever they play the game on Wednesday, on Thursday, they will leave and fly to the bay area so break some protocol technically speaking i mean and it's probably not a break it's probably an adaptation that mls is making is they're not having to fly in the day of the game 
and they get to spend time at both of these places and they don't have to come home in between, which, as we know, during the COVID year, COVID year that we had, you had to always come home. It was there and back in the same day on charter, everything that I imagine it's still charter, but it sounds like they're starting to give these guys a little bit more freedom in when they go and how long they stay. So the LA Galaxy will not come back between uh, their game against uh, Vancouver, which is in Salt Lake City, and the game that they play in the Bay Area at PayPal Park against the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, the yeah, next not Saturday. Stanford Stadium. It was not. supposed to be Stanford. It's not. By the way, with Steris, this is the worst time. I mean, I assume that with a hamstring, hamstrings can linger all season. Um, it, one of those things that that it's very difficult to overcome a hamstring. And what happens with a lot of players is they wind up building up the other, the other leg, and and then. It, all of a sudden, they sort of have an uneven gait. It, hamstrings have a lot of side effects to them. But the the point of the, what I was going to make is this is the worst time for that to happen because Derek Williams is still out for right. what three more games. Yeah, four, and they have, four more games because he's only I think he's only served two of his six, so he has four more. And they have one uh, Wednesday, they have one Saturday, and then and then the July fourth game, and, and then, then July seventh. Yep. Right. So yeah. this is, um, you know, if Stara and and the last thing, Greg. Fanny uh, is going to do is make Steris play in, in, if he's not 100% because with the hamstring, that as we said, it can linger all year. Yeah. So anyway, it's great that Koulibaly's here. Without him, they'd really be stuck. Um, but it, this this is a bad time for them to lose a center de- central defender. Well, and Greg said as much afterwards because I asked him about uh, playing sort of the formation that he did, and then I asked him about Dan Steris, and he goes, you know, it's a hamstring. It looks like that a preliminary um, is what we got on Saturday, and he goes, and he goes, it's kind of. The, it, it, he said this is the worst time to sort of be having this. Um, it's it's not one we expected to have, basically, and not an injury we expected to have and have to put up with that. So anyway, we get this 4-2-2-2. Now, the whole reason that Greg Vanny wanted to play the two forwards up top is that he was trying to pull, and this is if you go back to the game where they lost 3 nothing, Kevin. Uh, they're trying to pull uh, Seattle's three center backs out of position, right? The whole idea is to move some of those guys around because if you don't move them around, you're not going to create any offense against Seattle. Um, and so the idea here was to have Cabral and Chicharito checking back to the ball at times and then moving forward into the line and basically a one up, one down kind of place, right? We've seen this so much in a two forward system. You want one guy to check to the ball. You want the other guy to usually occupy the space in behind him that he just vacated and that's how you open up space and so there's supposed to be a seesaw that happens if Cabral checks to the ball Chicharito's going to drop in behind him and sort of look for that open space if Chicharito checks to the ball Cabral's going to find that open space and you could see um, throughout the game through certainly throughout the second half especially as the LA Galaxy got more and more frustrated that was not happening Greg Vanny talked about the disconnect between Chicharito and, and Kevin Cabral and really when you go back and look at this um, I think Cabral had one of his worst games um, only because I think he was quiet. I think uh, in moments he could have been dangerous, but his runs were not in sync with Chicharito at all. And Chicharito was clearly trying to get him to move into different places uh, where he goes. So um, this was this was sort of the idea behind it. But what I like about this and why I tell all of this sort of intricate detail on the on the setup is that Greg Vanny learned from that first game. Right. He said, we have to get be, be able to get those center backs to move. And so he came. He put this formation a four two two two. Kevin, you have to say this formation worked. Um, you have to say it worked in the way that at least it was intended in terms of um, it kept Seattle relatively quiet for most of the night, right? The LA Galaxy were able to play compact in the midfield. They were able to sort of channel any of the Seattle's tacks out through the sides. And the LA Galaxy on their defensive side in the midfield were able to adapt to those attacks. The two goals, both of them come off of set pieces, one on a throw in, which is a set piece, um, and one on a corner kick. 
Um, so if they had some set piece defending, the LA Galaxy may have won that game one nothing. Uh, where it didn't work was generating, I think, the offense that he wanted to. And that's a consistent issue that I think we've seen the LA Galaxy have in the last couple of games. Well, and the goals were soft goals. They were each was a couple of minutes on either side of halftime, which is a dangerous time. You don't want to give up something when you're tired at the end of the first half and turn, a, you know, a, at that time it was a lead, turn a lead into a tie. Then maybe you come out a little slow for the second half. Maybe guys aren't, aren't completely warmed up yet. Uh, those are dangerous times, and they gave up two very soft goals. The, and, you know, Jonathan Bond had another terrific game. On the first goal, that header, I've never seen a header hit with such pace. That was just a bullet. Uh, just, uh, you know, if Jonathan Bond had got in front of it, he might've been killed. Um, <laughs> it, it was, I've never seen a, a, a header struck like that, which then I think you go back and say, well, how did a guy get o- open unchecked, unmarked enough to hit the ball with that pace? And then the second one, you know, Bond made the save. He, at that point he's on the ground. Have you made the save? That's where he needs his defense to help him out. And Rui Diaz was right there. So, yeah, I mean- uh, I, it's another one of those games where Jonathan Bond concedes two goals and didn't do anything wrong. No, no, uh, he didn't. And whenever you look at that first goal on the corner, by the way, that was a contested corner as well, because um, at one point the, the referee first pointed at to a goal kick. Then they changed it to a corner kick and Seattle ends up scoring off of the corner kick. I don't know which one was right because um, certain TV providers didn't provide a, a replay of that particular play. So that way we could sort of look at it and see. Um, and so, you know, you, you look at that and say that was real close to being an LA galaxy goal kick instead of a Seattle corner. And that really changes the game. If the galaxy go into that first half up one, nothing instead of tied one, one. Um, so there's something to that. Also, Sebastian Legette was the marker on Yamar. Um, and I think he tried to arm tackle him. I don't know. There was a lot of waving with arms as Yamar sort of came into there and Seba sort of just let him run right through. He was he wasn't unmarked. I don't like that because there were a bunch of L.A. Galaxy players right next to him. Just nobody decided to actually attack the ball um, in that particular case. So um, I think, Kevin, you have the the stat, though. Seattle has only allowed five goals this year, right? Only five? Four. 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 So only four, four goals this year. All on set pieces. All on set pieces. Um, oh, that's a bad look there. So, um, so yeah, with with four goals uh, given up, all on set pieces, none have come from the run of play. The LA Galaxy did get you know that opening goal from Chicharito, um, and was able to no. do, yeah, not, yes. not Chicharito. Yeah, no, the opening goal came because Chicharito got fouled. Oh, yes, okay, yes. I I know what I know what I'm talking about. Do you I know just, what you're talking I, about? He he did not score that. Goal. No, he did not. Absolutely. Um, but uh, a great run by Efrain Alvarez. I think one of the one of the handful of times that he really made an impact in a game because I think he ended up uh, megging Brad Smith. Brad Smith, by the way, who was one of the most dangerous players in that first game where the LA Galaxy lost, uh, was megged by Efrain Alvarez and posterized by Julian Araujo in the same game and was very quiet in attack um, for Seattle. So again, another positive when you're looking at this um, and sort of how it goes. But I mean, the Chicharito penalty kick was great. I think Here's the big thing, though, Kevin. Um, first of all, it's 100% a penalty kick, and everybody who calls it soft apparently didn't watch the replay where Chicharito got trucked by um, was it was it Roe? Oh no, it was uh, it was uh, Joao. Uh, what was his name? Uh, it's not Pedro because I always want to uh, say Paolo. Pa- Paola. Pa- Paolo. Paolo. Um, and so he got he got trucked in there. He ran right into him. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious, and it was easy call. So that happened. Uh, but I'm I'm worried uh, about this because Chicharito is the striker, right? He's the guy. He's one of the captains. Whenever Jonathan Dos Santos isn't there, uh, he's all of these things, Kevin. And we, you want to see him scoring goals, right? And what does he do? Sasha Kleshin goes up and asks him, "Hey, do you want to take this?" And and Chicharito's not like, "Nah, I'm good." 
Um, and, and he gives the ball up to Sasha Klesh, who who puts it in, which is great. But as a striker, don't you think that a striker should have that mentality of taking the ball and putting it in the back of the net? Well, tell him what else uh, Sasha said. I don't know that, that uh, Chicharito mentioned this, but Sasha said, remember Chicharito missed his last one. Right. Which it, it maybe is even more damning to your point is, is that if you're a striker, you got to let that stuff go. You got to be like a closer, you know, it, it, you know, like a goldfish. Think like a goldfish. Think, think like a goldfish. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, in the, in the words of the immortal Ted Lasso, um, be a goldfish. Um, he's got to let that go. I mean, that was a couple of games ago, right? At least. Yeah. You know, se- several weeks ago. He's If he's still thinking about missing that penalty kick and it's still in his he- head and he has the yips and he can't take it, you're right. I mean, Robbie Keane, I, I'll never forget Robbie Keane, David Beckham's last game when it was MLS Cup final and the Galaxy were going to win and there was a penalty kick in the last seconds of stoppage time. It was Hollywood script. David Beckham is going to take the penalty kick and score on the last play of his MLS career. Yeah. Nope. Robbie Keane grabs the ball, puts it at the spot, and kicks it in before David Beckham even has a chance to turn around. That's what you want your striker doing. Um, I, you don't want him giving it up the ball. I'll say this because I don't want to fall into the um, I don't want to fall into the the whole idea of that you know you have to have a striker and he has to have this mentality and that's the only way that's successful and the only thing. Uh, Chicharito, I think, is like 50% overall his entire career in making penalty kicks. He's not a great penalty kick taker. So, I mean, I also don't even fault him if he understands that that's not maybe his strongest suit, right? He's like, listen, I just, penalty kicks, they're not my thing. I would understand that as well. So, like, I want to play both sides of this. I certainly do. I just, I want that killer instinct from him. I want him to remember what it feels like to score goals because if you're looking at him now, what, three goals, or three games without a goal, um, this is a guy who was leading Major League Soccer. Um, you know, Rui Diaz tied him with the seventh goal in this game. So there was there was time and, and space here for Chicharito to sort of put his stamp on the game and make it happen. But at 1-1 at halftime and then quickly 2-1, you never felt like the Galaxy were out of this game. It felt like that they were putting they applying the pressure. They had the possession. But some of that possession wasn't great possession. It wasn't dangerous possession. Um, and when you look at Seattle and what their defense was able to do, you know, I think, again, it's frustrating, and I think Sasha Kleshin hit it because he was sort of like, no, I'm frustrated. I can take some positives away from it, but I'm frustrated with how we played because we, you know, we were in that game. They were, it was there for the taking. Well, dos cosas. Um, when you, another thing Sasha said was he suggested, and he wasn't being critical of, of Chicharito, but I did think he was kind of throwing clues out that we could sort of read between the lines. He wanted Chicharito to take that because he thought we want to get our striker started again. What exactly what you mentioned? Three games without a goal. They need him to score. The whole offense is set up for him to score. And I thought I think Sasha was, was suggesting that hey, if maybe if Chicharito takes that penalty kick, builds his confidence and gets him going. Um, and, and then the other thing is you mentioned, you know, um, the, the Galaxy were in this game for long stretches. They dominated this game. Yes, they lost. And there were some timing problems, I think, between Cabral and Chicharito. I thought Chicharito had two or three really good uh, um, uh, chances. A couple that he just couldn't get to. The pass was too was too uh, too far for him. One, that uh, that sliding shot he took that went over the crossbar, hit the crossbar. Um, what, by the way, know, he had, by, let, let me stop you. But that was one of the most electric plays I've seen the LA Galaxy have this year in terms of just their sheer will to try to get the ball back and led by uh, Julian Araujo who made a 70, like a 60 yard run um, up the right hand side, uh, who eventually, you know, got got around one Seattle defender. And that's where he posterized Brad Smith and then put a put a really good cross in and Chicharito full sprint trying to get in front of somebody just outside the post. If he makes that run, 
Kevin, just a little bit further inside that post, right? Because it's harder to score when you're outside the post than when you're inside the post, right? You have two goalposts. You're running down the, the field. If you can stay between them as a striker, or at least when you make contact with the ball, you're between those posts. You have a better chance of scoring. Well, because you're not going at an angle. He, he was coming at an he angle. He coming at an angle. And so it was a suit. It was a tight angle as you get closer to that, that front post. Was that the play when Araujo went around Brad Smith where he threw his arms up? Yeah, well, Brad Smith like held his head for some reason yeah, and no, I, I everyone was like, that, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that was hilarious because Brad Smith was reacting like we all did, like, oh, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> right. But you're not supposed to do that when you're the player. <laughs> We're supposed to do that when you're the sports writer. No, yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, you know, a couple of timing problems, things go, it, it was definitely a winnable game for the Galaxy. So they lost. Okay. Remember they lost three nothing in Seattle. They were I know there was a, a a flurry of goals in that game and and some people have tried to make the suggestion that it wasn't as bad as it was. It was pretty bad. The Galaxy were outplayed uh, throughout that game. Right. This game different. And remember we're talking about yes it was the Galaxy's first loss of the season at home. That's significant. But Seattle is far and away the best team in MLS and the Galaxy dominated that game through large stretches and and it was theirs for it, they could have won or at least they could have got out of there with a point. I see I go back and I watch the 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 replay of the game too or at least some of the highlights and I sit there and I go Galaxy absolutely were in that game. They could have they could have had it. I mean, uh Kleshin had a a red carpet chance where he hit a left-footed shot somewhere onto the tennis court um, where there was nobody around him within 10 yards from just outside the box. It was one of those he definitely had too much time to think about. It was way too much time to think about. He launched that one. Uh, there was an Alvarez shot from the top of the box where he wasn't pressured. He had room and it was on his left foot and he, he sort of whiffed at it a little bit. I mean, he certainly didn't hit it with the way that you'd expect him to hit you know, a good shot, especially on his left foot. Um, outside of that, though, the, the offensive chances for the LA Galaxy were, were rather few and far between. I think um, Viafania had that one shot. Remember, the LA Galaxy finished the game with two shots on goal. Kevin, that was it. So as much as we want one to, was a penalty kick. and one was a penalty kick. So they got so one only from, one from open play. So as much as we want to say the LA Galaxy were in this, um, even if the, the XG says that basically this should have been a two one game to Seattle. So Seattle put in put it in the chances that they had. Um, they had more chances than the LA Galaxy, but the LA Galaxy controlled possession and controlled a lot of the dangerous buildup play. It's that final two passes for me for the LA Galaxy. I thought it was slow. I thought it was predictable a lot of times. Um, I didn't like how much Cabral was getting the ball in terms of uh, he would get it and hold it, but not be in dangerous positions to hold it. And so when he did hold, hold it, uh, people would collapse on him. Um, I think I think whenever you look at... Um, you know, at, uh, at Efrain Alvarez as well. Uh, he, I, I don't know if that role fits him. I don't know if you can put him sort of in that right side, right middle side. I mean, whatever we're calling it, he's certainly not a winger. Um, so that's not his position that he's playing there. He's tucking inside at least somewhat. Um, and if we even go to, if you want to see, uh, Kevin, there's some, there's some gross things, um, that you can, you can go look at, which is the passing network for the LA galaxy. And they have Dan stairs in here who was of course, uh, exited the game in the first five minutes. So he's not sort of, he's shown as no passes, which is correct. Cause he got fouled before he could make any of those. Um, but there's just this line, this conglomeration of of players, whether it's uh, Viafania on the left and then it comes inside to Victor Vasquez on the left. And then, you know, in the center is uh, Sasha Kleschen and then you have Sebastian Legette and they're all sort of right in line with each other. And then Efrain Alvarez, 26, is out there on the right hand side. So he was out. But Araujo is out right, you know, sort of further. They're all in this line. And then there's Cabral, who's actually up above Chicharito. And I know a lot of people have said, you know, you got to get Chicharito in the box. You have to make him in the box in order to do that. 
the idea in this game was to let Chicharito come back, receive the pass, pass that ball off, turn and run into the space. And between him and Cabral and how they were sort of moving, that was supposed to pull the center backs up to actually open up space. So the the way that that sits is probably what Greg Vanny wanted in terms of the stack, right? They wanted Cabral up higher than Chicharito in a lot of these. And he wasn't playing a nine. I know somebody said Cabral's not a nine. He shouldn't. He wasn't playing a nine. Um, he's playing in a two man forward system where he's the up and not necessarily the the nine in this part. He wasn't supposed to hold the ball up. He wasn't supposed to get a lot of the ball with his back to goal. He could have checked into balls, which he did, but he wasn't like sitting there trying to hold the ball up. The idea was to pull a center back out to receive the pass, to get that pass off your foot to somebody else and to open up the space in behind. And I, I didn't see that from Cabral. I didn't think he quite grasped what they were trying to do and certainly the connection issues. And the same with with Alvarez. He found himself in spots, but I didn't like the pace at which um, both he and Cabral were sort of moving the ball and sort of going around. So, yeah, they need to learn the French word for seesaw or whatever. Um, but by the way, don't show that chart again. That looks like way too much like a geometry problem. I did not do well in high school. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that again. Um, see, there you go. Now yeah. you put it up again. Yeah. Um, what they would... Uh, it's it's very interesting that Greg focused on the Seattle center backs. I, it, that's obviously the the thing that you want to do. But man, their center backs are so good, and they're playing with such confidence. The Galaxy had opportunity. It, it's very misleading when you said they had two shots on goal, one from open play. They had a lot of balls that were into the box that were dangerous. But those center backs are just so well positioned. They they play together so well, and they're so confident. You see a lot of center backs a lot of times. Uh, they they mishit those balls or they are they they don't get on the end of them because they're afraid of knocking in for an own goal. Remember Seattle with all these shutouts, um, you know nine games, five shutouts. This is their second string goalkeeper. They lost Stefan Fry very early in the season, right? And um, and knew who wasn't playing either, right? He wasn't one of the center backs either. So they were. I mean, again, when you look at this, it's going to be opportunity lost, right? Because um, the LA Galaxy really did play, I think, an o- a pretty okay game. I don't want to say it was good. It was not good. They played an okay game. They had a good idea on the tactics. They executed those tactics fairly okay. Um, and they put Seattle under pressure, which hasn't happened a whole bunch this year, as you were talking about the center backs. But when you look at it and you go home, it's still a loss. Um, but I think it's one of those things. And I think uh, maybe even Sebastian Jett said it on another podcast. Here. I think he was on the on the Cooligans um, or maybe it was just somebody who was sort of relaying it is you don't need to beat Seattle right now. Right. This is not the time you need to beat Seattle. Seattle's the number one team in the league. The L.A. Galaxy are not the number one team in the league. Right. They're still growing. Everybody knows this. Right. Um you need to beat Seattle whenever it's coming down the stretch, you know, um, towards the playoffs or in the playoffs. If you're going to make the playoffs, that's when you need to beat them. Who's number two in the Sporter Shield standing? Do you know? Uh, I do know uh, if I scroll down and look without having sort of New England. There you yes, go. And I, I talked actually talked to Bruce yesterday and uh, I said, I guess we'll see you in the MLS Cup final. And he said, I wouldn't bet on it. That's my Bruce imitation. I yeah. wouldn't bet on it. You wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, that's, that so sounds that, like Bruce. Th- the fact that he's putting his own team down means that they have a really the, good the, team. Yeah, I, w- I, would be, <laughs> I would be scared about that uh, for sure. So anyway, I mean, I, I, Greg Vanny, the other thing that I think everybody sort of wanted to talk about, there's two things that I heard complaints about was uh, the passing sideways and the passing backwards. Um, fans don't like it, which I get. I understand that. Um, but also in any Greg Vanny system, which is a lot like a Bruce Arena system, you're going to pass the ball sideways a lot as you try to open up different routes of, of attack, right? There's a seesaw back and forth on the back line. Uh, Bruce used to do drills where they would just move the ball along the back line and watch midfields shift. 
um, and then have those mid have the defenders eventually find a pass in that shifting midfield as they're shifting back and forth as guys are sort of moving and the game sort of breathes in and out. That's whenever they're doing it. So with Greg Vanny's system, you're going to get that. So get used to it. Um, the other thing is that um, uh, it was the substitution patterns, right? I mean, Greg Vanny held his subs for a pretty long time in this one, Kevin. In fact, as a matter of fact, we were like, is he going to make any subs outside of Dan Starr's? Um, the subs didn't come till very late in this game. And I think two subs even came in in the 90th minute, right? Dunbar yeah, came in. Damien Calhoun asked him about that. Yeah. What do, I don't, can't even remember what Greg said about it. Do you remember? No, no but yeah. um, great. We're, uh, we're great I, reporters. Good job. Yeah. We're really good at this. Um, I, I th- maybe we should have Damien on. He could tell us. Yeah. It was his question. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm guessing that Greg thought that it was that the lineup he had and the way that they were playing was successful. I don't disagree with him. I, I, I was sort of sitting there going, I don't know. I mean, one thing I wanted, I wanted Grant Sear to come in because I think the, the LA Galaxy could have had a little bit more speed on the outside, whether it was Grant Sear or it was Dunbar. I th- wanted both of those guys to come in. I think that could have opened up some things after some tired legs of Seattle. But that's not really the, the game plan that Greg Vanny had, so I understand him not bringing those guys in uh, to do that. Um, so it, it was just, I, I like it. I like that, that Vanny thought about it. I like that he went and tried to attack a specific weakness he thought he had, Kevin. Um, And, you know, having said all that, the Galaxy should be okay with this. It's not the end of the world. It's certainly not. Um, And and I know that there's sort of this overreaction. They're like, well, now you have to go, you know, beat Vancouver. Vancouver is certainly a beatable team in Salt Lake and blah, 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 and all that stuff. You you don't need to beat Vancouver. A point on the road is just as good right now is just as good as three points. Don't risk getting zero points if you have a point locked up, that type of thing, um, especially going against, you know, a rivalry match in San Jose on the weekend. These next two games, um, you know, you'd love to get six points out of this out of out of the next two games. But I think you have to be very happy if you get four or even if you get two. Um, and understand that this is this is how it's going to go now. The, these points are going to get harder and harder to sort of grasp. I think too would be an opportunity to miss. But I um, I was on the Vancouver uh, Zoom call today with Marco Santos, and somebody asked him what he, how the galaxy has changed uh, with Greg Vanny, and he went back a couple of years. He talked about when they had Antuna Pavone and uh, and Zlatan at right. the front. He said it was probably the greatest front three as a unit in MLS history. He thought that much of that of that group. Uh, he said, but then the back line then, and he's right. I mean, just look at the stats. The back line, he said, was very weak, very exploitable. They didn't play together. Uh, they were inexperienced, was, was his word. Um, and he said, now you look at the team, and they don't have that dominant front three, but they have a much better team. And he thinks that the defense especially – uh, well, he's, you know, Mark DeSantis just said that the defense is where they've improved. They're so much better on defense. Um, which, you know, again, uh, you know, Jonathan Bond has had a lot to do with that. I, I, I think maybe Mark Dos Santos probably not seen the Galaxy as much as we have. I think they, they've made some defensive errors, but I suppose it is better than the team that gave up 66 or 67 goals a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, a, that was bad. Uh, here's my overall thoughts. Um, I th- Jonathan Bond had a good game, um, against Seattle. I thought Seattle played the veteran team card very well and referee Drew Fisher bought into that hook line and sinker, right? These guys know what they're doing, all that stuff. There were ticky tacky little fouls that were getting called. Um, and in, a lot of them didn't seem to go the galaxy's way um and you know i think the players were out there got frustrated and rightfully so i think there were some some just very questionable calls that were made what do you think about the stuff at the end when a lot of seattle players kept getting injured or would sit down and uh, the fans were booing and i get it you know it was like the last two minutes of an nba game which takes 
generally about four and a half hours because everybody follows everybody. Um, that's up to the uh, referee to police that and take care of that. And if he wasn't going to do it, Seattle, like you said, they're a veteran team. They're extremely well coached. They saw the Galaxy are going to do the same thing if they have that opportunity. Yes. It's up to the referee. It was ugly. It was bad. But you can't blame Seattle because they were getting the referee was letting them get away with it. Yeah, and and Fisher. I mean, there was so much of that stoppage time. Like there was, uh, there were seven minutes of added time, and there were some injuries, and there were some times where people were down, some things before it even started, and then into stoppage time. There were a bunch of there was a bunch of that. So how it only went seven minutes and 30 seconds is sort of beyond me. Um, I figured it would at least go to nine minutes after seeing all the different things that sort of happened. Again, I don't think it was Drew Fisher's you know strongest game. Um, I think that he was indecisive. It looked like he was coming off a three week break. And I think his his assistant referees were indecisive in a lot of uh, a lot of decisions as well. Um, and because of that, it got ugly and chippy and without much consequence for Seattle. Um, I forget. I think Julian Araujo got absolutely cleaned out in the middle of the field at one point. Um, and it was an ugly sort of tackle from behind the whole deal. It should have been a yellow card. Uh, there was no yellow card produced. And in fact, the next sort of ticky tacky foul that came up, Seattle got it. Um, and I could see the LA galaxy. I could see Greg Vanny going ballistic on the sideline. I could see that the players were, it, it was, it, it was, I mean, it was slanting in a direction and clearly drew Fisher didn't like Chicharito talking to him cause he would get angry every time he would come over and, and, and ask him about anything. Um, and then he just didn't want to sort of put the rest of the, um, the time into the, into that, that, that stoppage time. There was, there was more stoppage time to be played. Absolutely. But by the way, if you'd never, if you've always wondered what, a um, Coach yells at the officials. I remember being on the sidelines during a, a U.S. Open Cup game when Kurt Anafa was here, and he got frustrated with the official, and he just he didn't know what to say, so he just yelled, "Do your job!" <laughs> Do your which job, which I thought I like was good. It. By the way, I know when you criticize the, uh, the assistant officials, you were not criticizing Catherine Nesbitt, right? of course not, because she's my all-time favorite, favorite. official. I, I know, I know, you have a favorite official, so I, I would, I would never do that. Um, yeah, yeah it, it was, it, it was, it was ugly. That's what made the game ugly, though. At the end, though, was that sort of play, and the LA Galaxy wanted to play off. Obviously, and Seattle didn't want to play. They were stopping and trying to do a whole bunch of stuff um, as soon as they got the second goal. Hey, here's a here's a newsflash for the L.A. Galaxy as well. Don't let them score that second goal in the out of coming out of the second half. And you don't have to deal with them wasting time, although they probably would have wasted time even at one one. So anyway, that's the uh, that's the I, I think it's a very mixed bag. You want to sit there and say the L.A. Galaxy played well and you want to be positive in that. And there are positives to take away from it. Having said that, I feel like it's a missed opportunity because I really felt like they had Seattle on the ropes a couple times and really could have, you know, made them pay off. And, and I think it it's a, I think it's a confidence boosting loss. Yeah, I mean they lost the game, yes, but they outplayed the best team in the league, and they've got to feel good about that. But they're they're disappointed that, as you said, opportunity passed. But they've got to be happy with the way they played, and they have to feel confident if they can play that way against Seattle. They really should not have any trouble with Vancouver. I would hope that if it's confidence boosting that they take the anger and sort of letting that one slip because I have a feeling they're they're frustrated and upset by the way that that game went. I hope they take that out on the next two teams because they have a, a very good chance of beating at least one of those teams um, coming up. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it, it, it was what it was. Uh, let's get to a, a little more news as well. Uh, Revelason, uh, apparently, and, and certainly from the Instagram post this morning, um, got his visa. 
visa. It was approved. He is done. We we are expecting him to travel. Uh, Kevin, you and I were joking like now he should be in the air as we're yeah. recording on Monday night. Uh, it might not be until Tuesday morning France time, which is coming up here pretty soon that he'll leave. Um, but uh, that's a picture of him at the U.S. Embassy, by the way. Yeah. And I, I think that's his agent who actually uh, put that out. Um, and U.S. Embassy France, by the way, I would I would like to point out I was talking with the L.A. Galaxy. Um, and I was talking uh, about the visas and all that stuff. And I wasn't criticizing or anything, but we were just brought up. And so I got a screenshot of if you were Joe Schmo and you wanted to go to the consulate in Paris, Kevin, um, and you could go online and fill out a form so that way they could tell you when you could come into the consulate. Uh, it says right now your current wait is 999 days. Uh, no way. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. I saw the screenshot of it and the whole deal. So that is sort of the, whenever everybody says, oh, well, the LA Galaxy need to get this done faster and the whole deal. That's the base starting point that they have to go for, which is about a thousand days of waiting. And I'm sure it just times out at 999, right? It's like, well, nobody ever thought it would be this yeah, long. Right, so, exactly. you know, it's right. It's, it's absolutely probably four years or something. It's it's, it's absolutely uh, so the whole thing. So, yeah. So that's the starting point. And then the Galaxy have to work that and try to make that happen faster. And they have been able to work those and make those go faster much faster than 999 days for sure now, number six wasn't that romney's number what was romney's no number? i don't think uh the last six was carrasco i think was it yeah yeah i think i think it was carrasco so he's You're gonna, a big romney guy what was his number i'm trying to remember uh, well he was four wasn't he wasn't he a four he was was he four. i know that i, I think uh, omar four. gonzalez was four i think i think romney was four somebody will correct me um but it, it's certainly anyway so revelation should be on his way um, to the LA Galaxy here in a little bit of time. Uh, the other thing, and I said I would talk about it uh, here uh, coming up, was Julian Araujo. And if you go on FOTMOB, which I love, uh, F-O-T-M-O-B, if you haven't been on FOTMOB before, you should go. They have a ton of really fun information that you can sort of do, but they also put together like MLS rankings, like the best players in MLS off of the rankings that they get from uh, the ratings that they get after every game. And so uh, they basically found the, the top, you know, US U21 players in MLS the season somebody put this out um, and I looked at it real quick it seems to be right um, but Busio uh, from Sporting Kansas City right uh, is a 7.59 average rated and he's the 17th best player in Major League Soccer right now Julian Rajo is number two in terms of young players so under 21 um, and has a 7.58 rating um, and is 18th overall in that uh, in in Major League Soccer as it goes so um, super interesting in terms of how uh, how Julian Araujo has progressed, and you have to say, on the night, on Saturday night, Julian Araujo was absolutely one of the best players on the field, and that has been a consistent thing since, basically, he uh, he got corrected by Greg Vanny, I think, after his first two games of the year. He got in, Greg Vanny gave him some things to work on, and ever since then, uh, Julian Araujo has been a rock star for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, but what were you saying in the first half? What? What, would, what did I say? He's going to get a red card. He's going to get a red card right oh, here. He, I thought he was, <laughs> because I thought he went in with his studs up. It was, it was a glancing blow. He missed getting a red card by about six inches, really, whenever you look at it, because he dove in. That was in the second half, by the way, because it was up I, closer to us. I thought Chicharito was going to, uh, with the, the arguing, it's clear the official was not having that. Um, that Chicharito kept getting in his face a little bit. I, 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 I thought he was at least going to get a yellow. Yeah, it, well, you know, Fisher kept the yellow cards in his pocket for the most part, and that didn't help the game either. So um, that was uh, that. Was that. Uh, let's see, what are the other things? The LA Galaxy schedule, we told you we'd, we'd talk to you a little bit about it. Uh, the LA Galaxy were training on Monday, uh, which is when we're recording. Then they're traveling tomorrow, so they'll train in the morning, and then they'll travel to Salt Lake City Tuesday afternoon. Um, that's where they'll uh, fly into Salt Lake City and head, make their way down towards Sandy, Utah. Um, then on Wednesday, they have the game, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time against Vancouver Whitecaps. 
perhaps remember Vancouver's playing at Rio Tinto Stadium right now because they can't play at up altitude. in Canada. At altitude. At altitude. Yep. Um, and they just played Real Salt Lake over the weekend. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, as soon as the game is over, uh, those guys will uh, will head back to the hotel, and it looks like they'll be traveling to San Jose on Thursday. So they'll be headed to the Bay Area on Thursday, not coming home for that. They will train in San Jose on Friday, and they will play that game at Pepel Park against San Jose Earthquakes on Saturday, June 26th. So um, that's an that's an interesting uh, little little change in sort of how they've been doing things. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that to see if any of this stuff goes, Um, you know, in the chat room, uh, they were asking, you know, Julian keeps getting better and better. Do you guys think he's going to play in Europe? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Josh has been saying it for a while. Um, And I think now as he keeps playing better and better, I keep thinking, well, it's probably winter. And now I'm like, maybe it's summer because somebody's going to come knocking on the door for Julian Araujo this summer. And it may be a lot of money and the LA Galaxy might have to take that. That could really change the LA Galaxy and how they look, because as we just pointed out, Julian Araujo is one of their best players consistently game in and game out right now. Um, his hustle, his ability to uh, to cause uh, defenses problems. He's 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 the real deal right now. Um, the other thing I sort of wanted to highlight here. Um, is just the the days between MLS Cups. And I think we talked about it on June 15th and sort of said, hey, now the LA Galaxy have the longest stretch between MLS Cups in their history. The previous one was for the from the first game, April 13th, 1996, and that was 2,381 days until October 20th, 2002, when they won their first MLS Cup. Um, it was 1,120 days between October, uh, between 2002 and 2005. It was 2,198 days, Kevin, between 2005 and 2011. Uh, th- only 377 days between 11 and 12. Uh, 736 days between 2012 and 2014. And currently, as of June 21st right now, they're 2,388 days between MLS Cups. So longest stretch in in, in Galaxy history. Those are MLS Cup victories yes because they've yeah because there's been much shorter times between actual appearances so they'll won their last mls cup on december 7th yes 2014 a day that will live in infamy absolutely it was it was for the new england revolution Revolution. it was um it was there and then it was december 1st i like seeing how it sort of progressed between october 20th november 13th november 20th december 1st december 7th it keeps sliding later and later yeah um as it goes uh let's get you through some standings now on the eastern conference we talked about new england uh they're at 20 points 2.22 points per game nine games played uh they're 4-0-0 at home so they are undefeated at home under bruce arena there uh they're they are very much the class of the east right now um with orlando city right behind them philadelphia union not too far behind them columbus crew who just played their last game uh at map free state stadium uh kevin and now we'll uh, we'll go to their new downtown stadium i think on july 4th is when they're gonna open yeah, that back they up. have one they have one road game and then they then they go there yeah i think they're playing new england revolution actually on july 4th which would be uh be a fun one as well um then you have new york red bulls who sit in fifth in the eastern conference dc in sixth and right above the playoff line right now is new york city on that eastern conference side so make sure you Look catch at atlanta some, down there yeah atlanta's down there chicago's down there cincinnati and toronto man i what happened? Greg Vanny left and took everything with him, silverware and the plates and everything. And then you have a team like Nashville who gives up no goals, right? Um, relatively, although they have now just, eight goals against. Um, they're, but they're just eight. lost their first game, I think, this weekend. Uh, yes, they, it looks like they did. Yeah, they uh, they lost away on the road. Um, but they're in 10th right now because they haven't been winning a whole bunch of games. So um, A lot of draws. A lot of draws in, in, in that particular. So that's the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, we go. Seattle's at top. 
you know, despite the LA Galaxy losing Kevin, they didn't really drop that far in the standings anywhere, right? They're in fourth place in the Western Conference. They're in fifth overall in the Sporter Shield. They're top five right now in Major League Soccer. So you lost the game, you drop down to top five still. That's where the LA Galaxy sort of have set up shop in some of these. And you have to look at a team like Kansas City, who has played 10 games right now um, and actually has a lower points per game than the LA Galaxy. So if we're looking at it by points per game, it would be Seattle at 2.33. It would be Colorado at two. And then it would be the LA Galaxy at 1.88. So you could even jump the Galaxy up into the third spot. Uh, but Kansas City's coming up. Uh, it, Colorado is sort of being real quiet. Nobody's paying attention to them. And and they're going. But great job by Robin Frazier in Colorado and remember that's another guy from that first Galaxy team that Greg Vanny was on yep um, you know coaches that came out of that uh, off of that team um, Robin Frazier's really turned that team in Colorado around and uh, they're playing really well and and then there's Greg Vanny right behind them yeah, it's it's not too far. So yeah, there's a there's a push for those guys sort of moving their teams up uh, towards the top of the list. Uh, Seattle, Sporting Kansas City, Colorado, uh, LA Galaxy, Portland is in fifth. Salt Lake is in sixth. Um, Salt Lake just beat Vancouver three to one over the weekend. Um, you have Houston in seventh right now. San Jose, who's coming up for the LA Galaxy, uh, is in eighth. You have to go down to twelfth, so second to last in the Western Conference for Vancouver. So again, that is the game that the LA Galaxy are looking. Uh, ninth is San Jose, or excuse me, eight is San Jose. Ninth is LAFC, who just tied Houston. Houston is seventh one, right now. One wins, one wins since opening day for LAFC. Uh, Austin, who opened their brand new stadium, uh, is tenth right now. Minnesota eleventh. That, that would get that game in Austin, by the way. Scoreless draw, right? So I, they I believe so. Played one. Game there, they got one point. They haven't scored a goal yet. Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of it, unfortunately. I wanted to watch that game. That was the one game I wanted to watch, and I didn't get to any of it. Twelfth um, is Vancouver. We talked about FC Dallas at the basement right now on thirteenth. So that's where we sort of sit. We've already sort of given you the idea of where the supporter shield is, and we don't even have time to get through all of them. But basically, top four, top five right now: Seattle, New England, Kansas City, Colorado, LA Galaxy. Um, Orlando's just behind the LA Galaxy, actually tied with games played, uh, tied with points. So same on points per game. So they're sort of tied for that fifth spot as you look at that can we talk about vancouver for a second we can we talk about them after i talk about the schedule because i want to talk about the schedule and then we can talk about vancouver because there's plenty of stuff um schedule coming up for the la galaxy we told you it's going to get busy vancouver on june 23rd so that's wednesday um that's on spectrum Sportsnet. so make sure you're prepared and ready for that and then you have the la galaxy playing the san jose earthquakes on saturday uh june 26th and that's at paypal park on unamas so be prepared for those ones because then it comes into july and july has one two three four five six games in it and there's a 10-day stretch in there with the the galaxy don't play any games as the gold cup gets started um as well so there's six games but there's 10 days off in, in the middle of that somewhere Kevin. that's crazy it is that's nuts it's it's it is absolutely crazy so uh coming up in july on july 4th it's la galaxy versus sporting kansas city that should be a good game uh you then you have the la galaxy hosting uh fc dallas just three days later that should be a game the la galaxy win for sure with dallas really struggling in that then the la galaxy will once again play vancouver on july 17th um in vancouver Tinto. I, I'm going to call it Vancouver Tinto Stadium. That's uh, in in Rio Tinto in Sandy, Utah. Um, so that's going to happen. Then it's uh, then they'll be at Rio Tinto again whenever they play Salt Lake on uh, July 21st. So back to back. I bet Lake you games. they stay there. What four days between games? I bet you a billion bucks they stay there. I was. I won't met you because I absolutely agree with you 100. percent And then to wrap out or round out July, they have Portland, who's a very good team. Um, and the LA Galaxy obviously didn't play them 11 versus 11 for very long. So it'll be interesting to see how those teams play uh that game Ju- july 30th is at dignity health sports park um i believe that's a friday night game it's a friday night game because we're possibly trying to do a live show on july 31st which is a saturday 
I July think so. 30th is indeed a Friday night. Friday night game, LA Galaxy versus Portland Timbers. So that's coming up on July 30th. That's where you said, okay, you want to talk about Vancouver. Let's talk well, about before, it. Well, before you're talking about Araujo, you know, uh, he is getting attention from Europe. We know that already. I've t- spoken to his agent. That is legit. Um, let me try to refer. There we go. He is talking. They, they are talking to teams in Europe, some big teams. So um, that's true. If I'm a team in Europe, though, I think I wait until after the Gold Cup. I think Julian Araujo gets called up for the Gold Cup. I think I want to watch him play against Mexico and play against some of these CONCACAF teams that aren't the smoothest teams and are going to play a little physical, uh, maybe a little closer to the European style. I think I want to see that before I go out and sign him. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, I spoke to Mark Dos Santos today, the Vancouver coach, and, and some other players, Andy Rose and, and some people with Vancouver. Um, I'll be doing a story that'll be in the LA Times on the website probably tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. Uh, basically, the story is, you know, Vancouver has played one home game in front of fans since the start of the 2020, since the end of the 2019 season. They were on, they were stuck in Portland last year. Remember, teams could not travel to uh, um, Canada. So the three Canadian teams had to come down here. Um, so they were in Portland last year. They're in uh, Sandy, Utah this year. Things are a little bit different. Last year, it was just the players. They were in a hotel. They didn't get to see their family. This year, knowing they'd be in it for a little bit longer, uh, longer time, their traveling party is about 90 people. Wives and children have come down if they could. Kids who are in, who are in school had to stay in Vancouver. Right. Um, some of the players have are in an apartment. Some of them are in uh, condos. It's a really rough situation. Um, and they don't have any home fans. The game will be played in an empty stadium, even though fans can come to the stadium. Nobody in Sandy, Utah wants to go watch the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, Mark Dos Santos call, uh, talked a little bit about how calls go against them simply because there's nobody cheering for them and referees get a little bit intimidated, you know, like when they played this game in Rio Tinto, which is now their home stadium, they played against Real Salt Lake and um, the officials seem to side a little bit with, with Real Salt Lake. It's a bad situation. Everyone there that I spoke to with Vancouver said, look, we don't want to make excuses. They kept making the point that COVID is a lot worse for the families that have lost loved ones than it is for a soccer player who has to play in an empty stadium. Right. They're not whining, but it, it, it totally does affect them. One player they have, they have a designated player who hasn't been able to leave Vancouver. He doesn't have a work permit to work in the United States and can't get one. So they have a designated player that they're paying to stay in Vancouver and not do anything. Um, the general manager told me that he has talked to a number of players about signing with uh, Vancouver. He said a couple of them appear to be very close to getting across the finish line. And the player said, tell us about Vancouver. What's it going to be like to play in Vancouver? And they had to say, look, you may not see Vancouver for a while. And that was the deal breaker. They didn't want to go and play for Canada in the United States. There's a lot of things that you don't think about. One of the communications people, his wife is about to have a baby. It's prohibitively expensive for them to have a baby in the United States with the insurance system the way it is. They're leaving the team. They're going back to Canada so that they can have the baby. A couple of other players with their wives have made that decision too. It's really hard to think about soccer when you're going through all that kind of stuff. The general manager, by the way, signed in November of 2019. He's seen one home game uh, in Vancouver with fans. So it's uh, it, it, Vancouver, They it, like again, they said to a person, look, we're not making excuses. We're not asking anyone to cry for us. But you still have to feel for them. I mean, it's got to be a difficult thing to do. They're never home. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is tough. And and 
you know, quite honestly, that's why the LA Galaxy can take advantage of the situation, right? It, it's tough for them. You look at Toronto, who's having trouble, um, you know, as well. Montreal isn't exactly, you know, at the top of the leaderboards in the in the Eastern Conference either. So um, that, that's one of the reasons the LA Galaxy go there and and really have to try to take points. I, I will mention um, the LA Galaxy will be wearing their community kits. The LA Galaxy announced that today. Um, so there will be community kit wearing, um, and that's probably because Vancouver is going to wear their white, so the LA Galaxy can... Uh, can can wear the the dark colored tech green and and black and gold uh, community kits so that'll happen uh, this game seven thirty p.m. Pacific time kickoff Kevin which means it's an eight thirty p.m. Pacific time kickoff in Mountain time yeah but see it's not inconveniencing any fans because there's no fans there so that's fine yeah so so uh, kickoff itself is by the way is seven forty one which means kickoff is closer basically to nine p.m. local time than it is eight p.m local time um the game's on spectrum Sportsnet. the la galaxy 5-3-0 and for 15 points vancouver 3-5-1 for seven points they're 2-1-0 at quote-unquote home and as we've sort of explained already um they're playing at rio tinto because they can't play up in vancouver and so that's where they're playing they're sharing that the the field with uh with real salt lake um so yeah you, you know you mentioned the 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 time of the game that may, that might figure into why they have to go to San Jose because I don't know the Salt Lake City Airport that well, but it is a smaller airport. They I, I may have th- a. Cur- I don't curfew. think they have a curfew. I don't think so. I think they're okay. They're like right on no Salt way Lake. They, there's no way Galaxy get to the airport before one or one thirty in the morning. At that point, yeah. Why not just spend the night and fly to San Jose? It's just much better for everybody. Twenty uh, sixth regular meeting, uh, regular season meeting between LA and Vancouver. The Galaxy lead twelve eight and five. Vancouver won two of the last three games that were played in twenty twenty, and one of those was the last full capacity game at uh, Dignity Hill Sports Park before this last weekend. Um, that was the last game. Remember, everybody went to the Vancouver game. The LA Galaxy, I think, went down to ten men uh, in in twenty twenty, and then uh, and then they lost the game one nothing. That's that's what I remember. Everyone came out to see Chicharito, and then he didn't do, come to the press conference afterward. I, I remember that. Uh, which, by the way, can we clarify, was not the case. This I know that there's been some some uh, Spanish language rumors out that Chicharito blew off a press conference, and that absolutely 100% did not happen. Um, so everybody should probably pump the brakes on that. We will tell you whenever they blow off a press conference. All right. He did not speak, but he did not blow it off. He did not blow it off. Correct. There's some nuance there. There, there absolutely is. I can explain it to anybody who really wants to hear it. It's not, it's not a, a long story, but it's just Here not he that is. interesting. He can, he'll explain it. He'll, he'll explain Chicharito's there, um, on your desk. Good. Uh, Van, let's see. Um, I watched uh, some of the highlights of this Vancouver loss to RSL, right? This was at Rio Tinto Stadium. I, I would like to point out that game was 1-1 in the 92nd minute. Um, and RSL ended up winning that game 3-1. Vancouver had dangerous chances, certainly in the second half. First half, they looked like RSL was going to score about a bazillion goals on them. Um, RSL couldn't finish. Uh, and that was one of the reasons that really the, that Vancouver even had a chance at it. They ended up scoring. Um, I think it was a set piece uh, goal for Vancouver um, as well. And RSL was sort of standing around in this. I, I think Vancouver has some dangerous possession and some dangerous chances they certainly like to be out in transition i think they like to give up possession of the ball so perhaps this is a time when the la galaxy will have uh, more of the possession again which is something that the galaxy like to have at least in greg vanny's system he likes to have the ball so that's okay um i don't think vancouver will will seed possession they're not just going to give possession to the la galaxy but i think they'll be comfortable not being the the aggressors in this and sort of allowing and playing that counter-attack um system so um 
Vancouver missed a whole bunch of shots in this in that game, Kevin. So, I mean, for me, this is a, a dangerous game for the LA Galaxy because you look at the standings and you say Galaxy should be able to beat Vancouver and it's a winnable game for sure, but not if you go in there overconfident because Vancouver absolutely can take points from the LA Galaxy. But but you know what? Again, going back to Vancouver, and, and I don't want to you know slice the onion too too thin at this, at this point, but it, you know Vancouver could really be stuck for a number of years. And here's why I say that. They're not making progress. They're not a team that's challenging for anything right now. You know, they'd be lucky even to make the playoffs. And with normal teams, I think you'd say, well, you know, the coach is on the hot seat. Maybe we need to change some players. How do you fairly do that to Mark Dos Santos? How do you say you haven't played at home? You haven't trained at home. Your players have not slept in their bed for two seasons. Right. But you didn't do a good enough job. You can't do that. That would be horrible if Vancouver did that. So I think Mark Dos Santos, whatever happens this season, he gets a pass. Most of his players get a pass. Maybe they do need to change. Maybe they do need to clean house. But it's not going to happen until t- end of 2022. Yeah, it's hard. And it's just everything, I think, is it's in a holding pattern for Vancouver. It'll be two or three years before they get beyond this. Yeah, I mean, I would expect that towards the second half of the season, Kevin, or the late summer, that these Canadian teams could finally go back and play. Well, but that- they can't go back until July 21st. That's been extended now. Okay. So it would be into August. They may get a chance to play um, – double-digit games at home, right. and then maybe you have a little bit of a chance to, to, to you know, uh, to look at that and say, you know, they're making progress or they're not. But but even then, when you move from countries in the middle of your season, yeah, I that's know. tough. I know. It, it's all, it's not fair, um, but, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can. And they're, listen, from a pure sporting position, Vancouver has won games. I mean, they're two, they, they've won two games at, quote, like we said, quote, unquote, home. They have one game. So this is not something the Galaxy can just sort of tiptoe in there and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? At altitude against Vancouver, um, you know, in an empty stadium, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for, you know, the LA Galaxy to get three points from this. That's why I think if you're being realistic in the next two games, you get two points. It's not the end of the world. I do think they have a better chance of beating Vancouver. I expect them to beat Vancouver. But we know that playing on the road is not this magic thing that happens in Major League Soccer. We know home teams, even if it's not their home, have an advantage at home. Yeah, home team, home uh, road teams are only winning about thirty-five percent of the time, and the Galaxy are going from a an emotional game against Seattle with a full house, twenty-three thousand. Everybody talked about how great it was, and now boom, boom, nothing. Back- Back to Orlando again with no one in the stands. Yeah, it's going to be silent. So anyway, so uh, that's sort of it is. Uh, chat room asking about Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, oh, yeah, good point. I mean, we've talked about it. We sort of said it. You know, Vanny said that if it was a playoff game, he would have played last. He would have played on Saturday, um, but it wasn't. They didn't want to rush him. So does rushing him, does put, rushing him put him in a bad position on, you know, on Wednesday? Do you play him on Wednesday knowing that maybe you're not going to be able to play him on on Saturday against San Jose? Um, so yeah, it was a big deal. By the way, uh, Freddie, uh, gave us a $5 super chat and said, uh, did legit play Saturday? I don't remember seeing him. You and I were talking about this before, yeah, um, we were. B- before where we were going, but we legit has this weird, somebody, somebody said that, uh, Greg Vanny should make him play with a U.S. men's national team Jersey on underneath his galaxy kit, because whenever he plays for the U.S. men's national team, he is one of their most involved players, right? And certainly it's the position he plays, right? But is, is Greg Vanny not utilizing him in the same way? And the answer is he's not, but also not to the same effectiveness. So what needs to happen for Sebastian Legette to sort of break free? Because he's been awfully quiet for the LA Galaxy this year. But not for the national team. It's the same guy. It's really strange because he's, even with all those great European players, you know, Serginho Dents and, and Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, 
you know, Sebastian Legette is becoming a rock on that team. He's a guy that starts all the time now. He's a legitimate national team star, yes. you know, for whatever star is. Um, and with the Galaxy, again, you have to look to see that he's playing. By the way, we don't want to move past Jonathan Dos Santos. It's a yep. calf injury, and calves like hamstrings, you know, when you're running a lot, um, especially in hot weather, and you get a little dehydrated, it's very important that he stays hydrated to keep that calf muscle uh, uh, working. It's a dangerous injury. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to play back-to-back games for a while. I mean, I think that they're going to have to bring him along. So maybe a substitute role on Wednesday, uh, possibly coming into to Saturday. Uh, the, another question before we get out of here. Um, Patrick said, uh, let's see, not not Patrick. Uh, let's see, it was OAM. Uh, OAM says, are we in trouble during the Gold Cup? Uh, Kevin, you talked to Greg Vanny. You talked to Dennis Tecosa about Gold Cup and absences and sort of where we sort of expect everything to fall. How many players does Greg Vanny think are going to uh, be gone? Greg Vanny said he expects to lose three, and I'm going to take him at his word because he knows the conversation on. You and I counted. We got much higher. I think Julian Araujo goes. Yes. Uh, I think jo- uh, Mexico wants Jonah. Now, he may not wind up going with the injury. So let's just say Greg Vanny's right there that they've already told Mexico he can't have him. He's hurt. Um, it, this, the Gold Cup is not uh, a FIFA window. I don't believe. I don't no. believe the players have to be given up. It's, so yeah. the Galaxy can say they don't like to do that, but they can say no. So let's say we're going to lose. Uh, Joy Naranjo is going to go. Right. Greg Vanny tells Mexico, no, you can't have Jonah. Right. Chicharito, I don't, don't think, think Chicharito is going. Right. Um, it is a Mexico B team, but I still don't think Chicharito goes. I think they're going to use that B team opportunity to look at younger players. They need to right. rejuvenate that team really quickly. Uh, no, uh, no one legit, right? We, we legit's not yeah, going to go. Legit, no, he's going to wait for World Cup qualifying. I think Efrain, maybe uh-huh. again, Mexico having to get younger. Uh, Daniello Acosta. But, yep, but with uh, Honduras, right? You have uh, Carlos, Harvey Carlos Harvey with Panama. Uh, you and have people. people. Yeah, people. I, so when, when Greg says three, does, he's, he's not got to be talking. He's got to be talking about starters because you know people's going, and you know um, Harvey's going. That's two. I mean, those. That seems likely that both of them are gone. Um, and then Julian Araujo, I think he goes. So that's three. And then so I, it was a, the joke text was um, I said, hey, I think there's only three to, to some of my friends. I said, I think there's only three going. And they're like, well, does that count Pipo? And I'm like, Greg Vanny doesn't even know Pipo is on this team anymore, yeah. right? It's one of those. But I mean, looking at the injuries to center back, Kevin, maybe we do see Pipo Gonzalez on the bench for this for these upcoming games because there's no Dan Serres. You're going to have Koulibaly and you're going to have De- Depew. You're gonna need a backup. Somebody else has yeah. to play center back there. Now you he's have to find it. He's gonna have to find his jersey wherever he well, left it. I, it's it, and and one of the things, uh, other things says, well, is he not counting people because he's not going to be here? Remember, there's there is sort of this yeah. rumor that people is going to go somewhere. Uh, by the way, Patrick well, gave us a five dollar super chat. Thank you for that, Patrick, and said uh, Freddie isn't wrong talking about Sebastian Legette and sort of disappearing on on that. Well, speaking of people, where are they with international slots? Because now we get a guy from. Uh, what is he from? You call him a Mal- Malagasy? Yeah, Malagasy, Malagasy, I believe, is, Malag- is from, from Malagascar. Yes. How do they keep just adding people without having to worry well, about those international slots? Remember, the 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 word that I was given by a source was that People Gonzalez was going to get his green card. That was going to free everything up. The other things that could free things up is People Gonzalez is no longer on the team. That would also free something up. Um, so however that ends up happening, whichever direction that ends up happening, there apparently is going to be enough room for Rebel Hassan to be able to join the roster and actually join the team. So, yeah, that's I, I think that's where where we're sort of at with the LA Galaxy. So, again, um, coming up, Vancouver game on Wednesday, San Jose game on Saturday, 730 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, excuse me, 741 
p.m. kickoff time for the game against um, Vancouver in Salt Lake. Uh, so make sure you're watching that one's on Sandy. the spectrum. Yeah, Sandy, Utah. Sandy. Sandy. Sandy, Sandy Utah. Sandy, Utah. That's right. Sandy, Utah. Uh, um, so How would you like it if you sign with Vancouver and know you're going to be, uh, you're going to live in one of the greatest cities in North America, one of the most beautiful and expensive cities? And then they said, but on the way, can you spend like nine months in Utah? I mean, I spent a couple days in Utah once and I thought it was too much. So, uh, by the way, I'm hearing that if you are headed to Utah for this game, which you, you're, I don't think you can, right? There's, there are no fans coming in, right? I don't. I don't know the rule on that. I know that I think Vancouver there is. was thinking about. I, I, I think, think Vancouver was thinking about it, but but I was told during the interviews that it it maybe when they say it's closed, maybe they mean they get like eleven or twelve people. But see, Vancouver doesn't have a fan base there. Maybe the visiting teams do. If you're the stadium operator. Would you open in your stadium for 400 people? I swear I swear to God that somebody said they were going to this game. Anyway, if you're going to Utah, apparently the place to get Mexican food is a place called the Red Iguana. All right. I've seen multiple people talk about it. They say it's the best Mexican food in the state. So I'm just going to pass that along and say if you're headed there, if you're in Utah, maybe you could tell me Red Iguana. All right. And maybe you could tell us, too, if you're going to get to go to the game. I'm, my understanding yeah, is they're not. Yeah. I actually brought it up to somebody. I was talking to them and said, look, if if I'm a, in, in Utah, I'm an MLS fan, I might want to go check out the Galaxy. Maybe I'm not a Vancouver fan. I understand that. I live in Utah. Why would I be a Vancouver fan? But maybe I want to see the Galaxy. Maybe I want to see Chicharito. Maybe I'm a Mexican national team fan. I can't do that because they're not going to open the gates to just a handful of people. Very interesting. All right. That's sort of where we're at uh, for this LA Galaxy team. Coming up, two games this week, uh, then a little bit of a break. Then you have the July 4th holiday that goes July 4th, July 7th. So back-to-back games, a lot of them. I think the LA Galaxy average, what, at one game every three and a half days through uh, through the next stretch of games? Days, yeah, for 19 days, starting with the Seattle game. Oof. And then it gets worse after that little 10-day break. Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely does. Again, six games in July coming up as well. All right, uh, that is what we have for you right now. And by the way, Feel the Berm says tickets are available on AXS right now for that game so wow you can go i thought there were people going i thought there were people going they're going all right all right there's people going apparently i don't know kevin i'm just that, you know i try to keep on track of all this stuff that was one angle that i was like kept well, seeing people I, going to and i wasn't thinking it through i that would be the first time i've been wrong in several years i mean I, you know outside of the you know probably the beginning of the show or the middle of the show but i'm sure or anything that i've ever written ever that's absolutely right you're 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 very we're we're reporters we very rarely are correct about anything don't believe everything you read, especially if my name's on it. <laughs> uh, if Larry's name is on it, though, you're good. All right, um, Kevin, anything else that you want to get to, or can we uh, can we call close the book on this one? Chicharito says bye. All right, thank you, Chicharito. We appreciate that. Um, all right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, uh, please head on over to at kbaxter11, then head on over to the LA Times. Uh, that's where you can find all of his articles covering soccer. Uh, Kevin's headed to the Olympics, too. We don't know what that's going to do to our show. We think it might work. We're not 100% sure. We'll let you know whenever it all, all comes down. But uh, that's where you can find Kevin, LATimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, podcast videos, recaps, all that fun stuff right there for you. All right, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, Josh Patrick Gessman, you've been listening, you've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again 
Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>